papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. So the Media Project gives you a half hour of analysis and commentary from some veteran journalists, folks who have some views on what's going on around the world in journalism these days in a changing time. I'm Rex Smith, creator of UpstateAmerican.com. Uh, seem unsure about uh, it. Yeah, well, I was trying to think of what I do. Uh, <laughs> former editor of the Times Union, that's Ira Fussfeld, formerly a publisher of the Daily Freeman in Kingston, New York, and affiliated publications. Rosemary Armeo is here, investigative journalist and professor. And Dr. Alan Shartek, the CEO of Northeast Public Radio. Absolutely. We are all here. Happy to be here. You doing okay, Alan? I want to be sure that you're, you know. Not really. I did my five-mile walk in the dark. It's, oh. it's very morning, and now I'm feeling, you know, uh, you know, you know. You know, you know. You're feeling the way you're feeling. What could you do? All right. Here we what are. Can you we do? have, uh, you can always send your thoughts to us, by the way. And here we have a listener, Rebecca and Troy, who was listening to us talk about the fact that a lot of people aren't tuning into the news anymore. Says, yes, she sees this. People who are younger and don't want to read about the news anymore. And uh, she says that her people, who are folks as we in this room are, aging, still pay attention to the news. But she says, as a retired librarian, I am very concerned about today's society, mostly looking for entertainment and quick answers. People don't want to think or solve problems. I'm not sure what the answer is, especially RE, keeping our democracy healthy. So, you know, what do you do as a journalist if your goal is to uh, keep people tuned into what's going on because of the good to democracy? Well, you run a show like this one and you talk about, you know, all of the issues of the day and where there's something that you consider to be well, wrong, you say so. And what more can you do? Get involved in your school board to make sure teachers keep on teaching. Yeah. yeah. Stuff. Interesting. You know, one of the difficulties is, especially for older Americans, the number one TV network is Fox. Uh, you know, Fox's viewers are on average over 70, which gives you a sense of the difficulty sure. there. But that means that older Americans are reached by Fox, and Fox, of course, taints its news presentation by only producing some stories, by not looking at things. For example, the story about Herschel Walker, who advocates a nationwide abortion ban, no exceptions, paid for girlfriend's abortion in 2009. Fox News virtually ignored it. Ira, you're looking unhappy about well, this. Well, no, it's a conundrum that this country is experiencing, that you have a story such as that one or any number of other stories that a large swath of this country are not aware of because they watch Fox and Fox ignores them. But even worse is that many people, even if they hear the Herschel Walker story, are disinclined to believe its veracity. They just don't believe the media. And I suppose that the genesis of this goes back generations, but Trump is the one who codified it. I mean, the use of the word fake news, and now it, it's become part of the society. People don't believe the news that is not fake news. I don't know how we deal with that. 
One of the interesting things that journalists do, of course, is how you shape a story. Alan talks about this all the time, about the way that there is bias in the way stories are presented. There's a reporter at Fox News named Mike Emanuel who did do a story about the Herschel Walker issue, but he gave the last word of the story because, you know, this came out due to a tweet from one of Herschel yes. Walker's uh, abandoned sons. Mike Emanuel ended his story by saying, Herschel Walker says he loves his son no matter what. Isn't that touching? So that became the issue, the father-son split rather than the... Hypocrisy. Uh, thank you. That's the word. Total hypocrisy of advocating an abortion ban. Well, Not to mention with Herschel Walker, the ignorance. You know, the yeah. man is extremely stupid. So I've said brain damage years in football and other sports and bobsledding, I guess he was in, where his head got banged around a lot. And it shows. Mm -hmm. And voters don't care. But the problem is Fox News is at least covering these Senate races. There are a half dozen crucial up-for-grab Senate races. CNN and MSNBC are doing less coverage. In fact, Fox is doing more coverage than CNN and MSNBC combined. Why do you think that is, Rex? Well, you're the political scientist. I'd say it's because people are not tuned into politics. And so it's no wonder that now voters on the right are more motivated. It is beginning to look as the impact of the Dobbs decision seems to wear off on the left. Why don't you remind everybody what the Dobbs decision was? You know, was. which threw out Roe v. Wade, the abortion rights. Impact is wearing off? I'd like to know where that comes from. Well, I, I don't well, think that's I true. mean, the voters, are, what I mean is the voters' response to it is wearing off. It is Maybe emerging. it's just media coverage of response. Well, I think Fox is covering Senate. If in fact, this report that you're citing is accurate. I believe that Fox is covering the Senate races as significantly as they are because they recognize the importance of this Senate election and, to their mind, the importance of Republicans winning the majority, and their coverage is going to be slanted. So they believe, I think, that they can influence these elections to their benefit and by doing so, by covering it and doing what Fox does, which is grab onto something and don't let go. And they're gonna, they understand the sway they have on their viewers and they're gonna take advantage of it. Isn't it more than just though politics? We looked at another story I know on the panel about how uh, Americans are saying they don't know about the new COVID vaccine that's out mm -hmm. too. And that certainly has been widely covered in the press. Is it that people aren't paying attention? Well, I don't think it's been covered nearly as news. much as during the middle of the pandemic. I mean, I, I think certainly it's been reported, but it hasn't been wall-to-wall. -wall. Like, you don't see Dr. Fauci on every program answering questions about the booster. In fact, I was thinking about that. I have a Dr. Fauci doll in my room. And, um, uh, do you want to tell us about that, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, do. I mean, I have I'm, an Alan and Murray bobblehead. A, a great <laughs> admirer of Dr. Fauci, but he does seem to have fled the scene right now. We well, don't hear much about him. he's said he's going to leave and he's been worried about the safety of his family yeah, since I he think became he's a, a right wing issue. target. No, I yeah. don't know. He was just yeah. on the Tonight Show with Colbert, you know. I mean I think he's still trying to be present, but it is the focus of the American people. You know, we're tired of this and the media this is a difficult decision for executive producers and editors and so on. How do you decide to air something or broadcast something or print something when you know that your readers wish to move on from that topic, but it is irresponsible of you to move on? How do you do that? Well, that's such a good question, and it's very troublesome to me that we decide what becomes news based on whether or not the people who are producing the news see the utility in it. I have a theory. If something can be overdone, 
and you can count on TV to overdo it. And I think that there are certain stories that they blanket their channels with that need to be covered, but not nearly as wall-to-wall. I think of the Queen immediately. Let's say for the sake of this discussion, all of the cable networks decided to do one hour less of the Queen and then put Fauci on. They're not overkilling Fauci, but there's room for more. But once they latch on to a subject that they believe is the, the public interest, they won't let go. Public mm-hmm. interest, you mean the public is interested in as opposed to... The- right, and thus will build up their viewership numbers and their advertising rates. And isn't the pressure greater on that where there still is some economic viability in broadcast, for example? The Times Union, my old paper, when I have to say I'm no longer affiliated with, so I don't have a financial incentive to tout what they're doing, but they led the newspaper with the story the other day saying boy, the Northeast is suddenly in a big COVID push. The numbers are such that in the CDC maps, New York is back into the orange zone again. And Fauci now says we're going to have a fall outbreak. That's likely. So in print, I think you still get that attention when there is material that needs to be presented to people. I still think you get it in broadcast, too, but you can lead a listener to news. You can't make them hear it, and that's what we're dealing with. There's plenty of stuff about Fauci, as you've just mentioned, about COVID and about all of these issues. We all have heard it. Oh, the news isn't covering, and then name the topic, and we all can think of many stories. I agree with that, but you have to admit that during the height of the pandemic, you couldn't turn on a channel and not see Fauci. I don't remember the last time I've seen him on TV. I know he's still working, and I know I've read his quotes in the print press or the digital press, but you don't see him on TV, and that is where most people are getting their news. Well, you're pointing to a particular news source. I would say the same about Adam Schiff. There was a time during there impeachment. Was, yes, that I agree with he would He never said no to an interview right. request ever in his life, and he was everywhere. Well, is that bad? I mean, he was... A, yeah, it's bad. Why is that bad? I mean, the guy... Because it was completely unbalanced, and, and well, it wasn't that's good not for his Demi- fault. He gets asked... And he goes on and he responds to the request. Why are you blaming him? I, so I, blame, I blame him because he is such a media hound. And I blame the media for thinking that the way to cover the impeachment was endless interviews with the same same guy. Who's, it didn't help either. It certainly didn't help ratings. And it didn't help the impeachment effort. Adam Schiff became a target the same way that Fauci did. Wasn't he the impeachment manager? Wasn't he the yes. authoritative source? Yes. So if he's he the authoritative, authoritative source. He was an authoritative source. I mean, how about someone from the Trump administration? Do you remember any of those ever on MSNBC? Well, maybe they don't want to come. CNN? Well, we know that MSNBC is a tad to the left, and so it's unlikely to pursue this the same way, don't you think? I think it's harder to get someone from the other side, to get a loose Stefanik, for example, to talk to any reporter us, other than Fox. Us yeah, right here yeah, on this radio yes. <laughs> but to say that it's you know impossible and then sit here and say, oh, what can we do about it? Oh, it's so hard to get her. That's also disingenuous. It's well, not disingenuous. Is it dis- that is exactly <laughs> the case. She will not speak to real reporters. She only speaks to people at Newsmax. At least Stefanik is absolutely irresponsible if you consider public servants needing to be accessible to the public. What can, what well can you make her do to speak? Could you go to public addresses she gives, to public town hearings? Do you ambush her? Do you yeah. talk to her ring of advisors? Do you talk to her supporters? There is ways to represent people who don't want to talk to the media Well, that's true, and they try to do that. There has been some good reporting in the Adirondacks holding her to account and actually showing where she has lied. 
But if people don't make themselves available, it's hard. Fauci's a good example. It is actually the Biden administration that is not doing the briefings these days because it is politically better for the president and for Democrats to be able to say, well, we've moved on from COVID. You know, that's something that Mm -hmm. Joe solved. And so that's one of the reasons you don't see Fauci. They don't want to remind people of this problem lingers. Same reason that, of course, Donald Trump tried to poo-poo the pandemic from the get-go is that it did not serve his political interests. Mm -hmm. And I would say that tens of thousands of people died because of the administration downplaying this. It was a much worse pandemic than it would have been if we hadn't had the political manipulation by the Trump administration. And sadly, the Biden administration is doing some of the same thing, trying to avoid much talk about this continuing problem. Now, Rex, if you were the president or the president's chief advisors, would you be playing it any differently? I don't think I would, which is why I got out of politics and went into journalism. (laughs) But it makes it hard for the journalists because we do tend to reflect what's going on out there. That's why this is so difficult, because the journalists have to try to go after something that the politicians don't want you to really pay attention to, and the public isn't that interested in, but the public interest is served by that kind of journalism. That's well, hard. that is so self-serving, the idea that you define what the public interest is. Don't you see? I do. That's exactly what's That's needed what even more now in this age of social media, someone to curate the news to say, this is important, this is just fluff, this is interesting, but not really vital, Aaron judge, for example. That's a great story, but it's not vital to public interest. And that's what the public needs. There's this vast flow, endless, round-the-clock flow of news. And people are picking and choosing what they want to read, not what they should be reading. And newspapers were always like that. When that was the only form of communication, you would package stories about local municipal corruption in amongst all the comics and the news and the horoscopes, and you would grab people on the way to the stuff they wanted to see. Mm. We don't have a really great way to do that anymore with the Internet. Mm-hmm. That's true. But you would have, just to be clear, if you were the editor of the New York Post, mm-hmm. you would have put Homer number 62 I, in the front page. I love that story, actually. <laughs> I, I advocated that we talk about it in the roundtable. We didn't, but I think we should have. It's a great story well, about fairness and drugs and setting records and heroism and his whole backstory. It's just a terrific story. Mm-hmm. It is. And so. And I don't even like baseball, by the way. I'm not a sports fan, but he is. Yeah, why? I don't like baseball, but I like experts who do love baseball talking about it. Like, like, like Ira. I agree with you uh, mostly, but I believe, once again, as I said earlier, this is another example of TV overkill. I'm not, not talking about print or digital, and I'm more specifically actually talking about the channel on which the games were telecast. Uh-huh. How many days in a row must we see now? If you turn on the Yankees during the playoffs, you're going to see a dozen videos of him hitting the 60-second home run. I could tell you how many stitches are on the ball. We've seen that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. How much it's worth. We know yeah, he did it. Do we hit, need? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a television producer. Maybe there's a good reason for it. But isn't it enough to talk about it without showing that same picture over and over? And the mother giving congratulatory kisses to her, the people. I can go on and don't don't get me started. But on this. but you're talking like an old print guy, Ira. How, like how are you going to how are you how are you going to show it on TV if you don't show the moment? Ad infinitum. 
Hmm. I don't know. But if you're the sports channel, I mean, you're probably talking about ESPN or something. No, you know? I'm talking about and the what? Yes Network, which is where the games are broadcast. I, you know, I'm Network. just saying, a half hour before the game, the pregame show starts, and you could program it yourself now. The first picture will be this, the second picture will be this, but we've already seen these pictures a dozen times in the last three days. Move on. He did it. It's great. He's a nice guy. It's the real record. He's clean. <laughs> I don't want to denounce it. I just am talking about the TV overkill. How many times do we need to know that the Queen has died? How many times do we need to see the box rolling down the street in London? Well, apparently there was a reason that we were told again and again that the Queen had died. People were interested in that, and they couldn't get enough yeah, of it. I understand. Same thing with Judge. And, and in print, we've been reactive to that as well. But the format of print enables us to change the topic quickly. If you don't want to read about that, then you just turn the page. And by the way, while you're turning the page, you may find a story about COVID that will remind you to, to get a booster get a shot. shot. Well, what you're talking about isn't the news, it's the format, which is 24-7 news, yes. that it's in a loop all the time. It's not really designed for you to sit and watch 12 hours of CNN or and name any other station you want. You are going to see repetition. Maybe we need to go back to the old three broadcasts a day, morning, noon, and night, and that's it. If only, but people do sit and pay attention constantly, I think, with the tube on. Actually, this medium that we're on here, public radio, is a great example of the variety. I mean, if you pay attention throughout the whole day to WAMC, you will get a broad range but of topics. But therein lies the problem with cable, as I've said here before. They, they use the word shut-ins as a disparaging word, but it, it is largely true. If you're inside the house watching TV all day, the cable channels all day, you're going to see the same shows over and over and over. And in this case, I don't necessarily blame cable because they're programming under the presumption that they have a whole new wave of viewers coming through every hour or so. So you want to bring them up to date. Unfortunately, you've got people who are literally watching all day and seeing the same stuff all day. And if you're watching MSNBC on the left or Fox on the right, you're going to be hypnotized and brainwashed by it. I think that's not why the programming is repetitive. I think it's because it's cheap. There's you know, that. if they were to invest more money to make really great, compelling programming out of even new stories, things that were not on our agenda, I think you could do that. I think you could have a cable channel that would actually give people fresh insight and stories of the kind that we're talking about, but it's expensive to do that. And these cable channels are making plenty of money without giving people the variety and the range of news coverage they need to give. Well, range is an interesting question there, Rex. One wonders whether the fact that CNN got sold and all of a sudden there's a difference in the way in which they are presenting or conjuring up the news. That tells us an awful lot about the dangers here, doesn't it? You mean the danger is that it had to get sold in order to d well, deliver the, the profits? It did get sold, and as a result of its getting sold, the content got changed. Right. Well, it's the slant of the content. What I think Rex is yes. talking about more is the volume of context. Do you remember local access? That was a requirement yeah. for cable companies. Those stations were horrible. There was never <laughs> stuff on it because they never hired anybody to go get stories. The way you get news is you hire somebody and say, you you now cover name a topic malls you now cover covid you now cover name anything and that person will produce stories on that topic yes. that you have never seen before and that is what is not happening now 
In fact, it's the opposite. As resources decline, you're seeing TV, name it, radio, newspapers, all are saying, well, you used to just cover two school boards, now you're going to cover 12. So you're getting fewer stories per topic rather than more. And that leads to repetition. It leads to, I'll just cover this story here that, you know, the paper down the road did rather than get my own stuff. So less local news and fewer topics. You know, local public access proved to be a harbinger of what has happened now on social media. Exactly. People on local public access, you could have any Tom, Dick, or Harry get on and have a talk show. Well, and he would just go on public access and spout for a half hour. Well, now that's moved to podcasts and it's moved to Twitter or whatever distribution channel you want to say. But that's the same theory now. A lot of people believe that that's great because it's more voices on the air. I would say, yeah, it is great. There's more voices, but there's nobody who is monitoring. Anything can get out there. What do you think about this report that the New York Daily News is investing, supposedly? You know, it's going to shift its coverage priorities, it says, and it's going to more local New York City news. And it's going to add eight pages a day, which I have to remind people is the equivalent of four broadsheet pages. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's not huge, but still, they're supposedly adding back more content to print and trying to produce more local news about New York City. I hope they're successful because they're owned by the company that owns my former newspaper, and if they have a good experiment there, maybe it'll translate down to the rest of their property. Maybe your pension even, huh? No, it won't impact that. As (laughs) as you said before, very eloquently, I'm no longer involved financially with that company. But it does show you that somebody's worried about something. Hmm. I think they may feel there's an opportunity. I mean, you're right. For eight pages of tabloid is not a huge number of pages, but it's more. It they don't have to add to it. It's expensive. Sixteen percent is what they're saying yeah. is they're added. You know, the added cost of more newsprint. And the question is, does anybody even care about print anymore? The previous owners of the Daily News, before the company you're talking about, were planning to get rid of the print product altogether and just be purely digital. What struck me about this is the notion that the last time people did a count this summer, the near Daily News had 60 people in the newsroom. Now, I will tell you, that is fewer people than the Times Union, for example, a much smaller community in New York's capital region. You can't cover the city of New York with 60 people. 60 people is smaller than the Times Union as we sit here today. Yes, sir. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, because that 60 includes copy editors and page designers and photographers. And so that means that you have a couple of general assignment reporters out there in the streets of New York. Well, but they're, and they're, they're no trying data. to fill four pages, which suddenly yeah. that little space is enormous. Yeah. There's no <laughs> stories you're going to put house ads in it. But at least they're trying, you know, to Rosemary's point, if you hire reporters and assign them a beat, you will get stories if the editors hold them to account, if the producers hold them to account. And it may be that if there are quotas or something, which some of these newspaper companies have imposed, the reporters may just be rewriting press releases, which is sort of stenography rather than journalism. And there's a lot of that going on. And there always has been. Yeah. I yeah. love the look on Rosemary's face. No, I'm just listening to this saying, oh my gosh, we're doomed here too. <laughs> yeah. It's not just for democracy, it's journalism. But you said something interesting, Greg. The the company that owned the Daily News prior to its current owners may well have been moving towards closing that publication. Print. Print. And Mm -hmm. it was purchased by this hedge fund, which is excoriated throughout the industry. And nevertheless, they don't show any indication of looking to close the print publication. I have made the argument that if it wasn't for that hedge fund, as negative as the connotation of the hedge fund is, that had it stayed with old ownership, the newspapers would have gone away by now. I think you're something to that. 
that. I look at the paper, you know, in the early 90s, I was the editor of The Record in Troy, yeah. and it was this thriving, you know, at that time we had 40 people in the newsroom, and we thought it was too small, and there weren't enough pages in the paper and so on. Now there are maybe a half dozen people. I wonder how they hold together, and I think it's because that hedge fund still sees a little bit of profit here. You and know? it's hard to see. I mean, if you look at your local newspaper in the last week, just go back and look for the publisher and ownership statement that has to be published every year on or near October 1st, and it's for the post office, and it, it includes the circulation number. Oh. And if you know anything about circulation, and if you look at the current number and know what the old circulation number is, it will, as it did to me, give me palpitations. I couldn't believe how small it was. And Does anybody lie about those things? No, you can't you lie. Can, well, you can, well, you can lie. It's odd, isn't it? It's odd. No, no, but not the postal statement. Postal statement is the publisher's statement. Oh, they do, yeah. Yeah. So but, you hope that they don't lie, and it's yeah. usually pretty accurate. But if you lie you about your circulation, nah, if you lie, because advertising yeah. rates are based on that, if you lie to your yeah. advertisers right. about circulation, you're going to be yeah. financially liable. Will they find out? Uh-huh. If they find out, they're going to be. Because yeah. uh, uh, they're part of the Audit Bureau, what it used to be called the well, Audit Bureau. Again, let's, not, let's separate yeah. it. The Audit Bureau is the independent auditor, if that even company still exists, and that's the number you need to look at. Postal statement is the publisher's statement. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many. Uh, I swear this is true. Documents are on. But if you one. lie to the post office, come on. That's why I think you better not. But, I, <laughs> I, but just, well, we're, we're veering off of that to just look at those numbers if you can, and if you know anything about your local newspaper and what it was at its heyday, and you see what it is now, it's rather shocking. And what used to depress me is the editor was looking at the press run numbers. No, you look at line C. That is the number. Yeah, but I mean, every day I would get a report of how many copies came off the press, and that's a number you just don't want to see. Yeah, it. Because? Because it's so low. I'm so, I'm so, so naive. Because it's, not, it's not very many. It's like looking at the actual number of people listening to this program as opposed to those that, you know, we say, oh, seven states, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Seven states is a person. Yeah, a couple of them in Connecticut. So uh, <laughs> we can't let this program end without... Without, did we mention Donald Trump yet? He's suing CNN once again. Trump goes back into defamation lawsuit territory. You know, foolish, foolish. <laughs> He's going to get nowhere with it. Even with the rigged Supreme Court, these cases don't so go. So why anywhere. does he do it? Because it plays wonderfully to his base. You know. Mm -hmm. I stood up to that CNN. I went there. And it's interesting he's doing it now at a time when CNN really is bending over backwards under new owners, as we mentioned, to become more central, as they say, which I would say big critics are being ousted from positions. I've always wondered what the words bending over backwards mean. Trying uh, very hard. Yeah, I think that that's because you and you bend over backwards. Have you ever tried that? It's acrobatic. It's very difficult. <laughs> I can't do it. No, no. I couldn't do it when I was younger. <laughs> And we need to just pay a word of tribute. We spoke earlier about the hurricane impact. You know, the media down there have been so impressive. When you hear reports about a commercial radio station, the hosts stay on the air for 12 hours. They continue to take calls, people saying, here's what's going on. Really, electronic media is a way that you keep people apprised, hold communities together in the midst of disasters like I think we need to pay some attention to the fact that when disasters occur, people do turn to their local media, and it is a comforting, supporting, and it can, in fact, save lives. It's not really heroic on our part, because that adrenaline gets going, and there's nothing like covering a gigantic, breaking national story in your own backyard. Except that when you're at work doing that job, and you live in that community, you has to be in the back of your mind, what? where's my family right yeah. now? How are how's they, my house how, standing? How's my yeah. house standing? Yeah. 
And by the way, regarding the CNN and the lawsuit, I say bring it on. Let's get Trump to be deposed. That's why he'll cut short that suit. Yeah. Exactly later. right. You bet. All right, that is all we have time for. No. That's so sad, but it's true. Alan Shartuck, Ira Fussfeld, Rosemary Romeo, and I'm Rex Smith uh, here on The Media Project with gratitude to our producer, David Gustina, and especially to you folks who join us each week here on The Media Project. Come on.